Welcome to Life on Pause, a podcast defining the experience of being a young adult with cancer. Each episode, we explore issues impacting young adults in and after treatment. Like what you hear? Have something to add? Come join us for next month's recording, the third Tuesday at 6 p.m. Welcome to Life on Pause. Tonight's episode is one of the last that I am going to be part of recording via Zoom. And I am Shelly. I have had the honor of seeing this come into creation and take various forms over the last three, four years. So I'm feeling really appreciative of that right now. And I'm curious at some point during this recording, if I might also get a little tenderhearted. So we'll find out. But the topic for tonight is lessons learned from life on pause. And that has two areas that can be explored. One, the experience of having life on pause from cancer treatment or lessons learned from participating in the podcast. So I'm going to get us started by reading an email that Taylor wrote as she thought about this and wasn't able to join tonight. So she writes, The biggest lesson I learned from being a part of Life on Pause is that it's okay. It's okay to try new things like this podcast, and it's okay to be nervous or apprehensive about it. It's okay to share your story and find people who you can relate to. It's okay to meet new people and let them into your life. It's okay to take a risk. It's okay to speak up. It's also okay to keep things to yourself. It's okay to laugh and to cry. Because of all of this, I have been able to be part of something so amazing. It has been comforting and challenging. It has helped and healed me, and I hope it has done the same for others. I have met and connected with amazing young people. You have all made such big imprints on my heart and my life. I have opened up and learned to feel good doing so. I have climbed a tree and conquered fears. I have laughed at the funny, relatable moments and cried at the touching ones and the scary ones. I'm grateful that someone reached out to me to do this. And this is what I needed in my life and I wouldn't have ever known so. Thanks to my friends and family for listening and being supportive. And thank you all for believing in me, for believing I could. So clearly she had a chance to gather her thoughts. Um, but I'm going to ask if what that sparked for any of you. I can go. Lauren Kaufman, I am three years in remission from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. About about three years we're going on. For me, uh, the experience has been just amazing. I think life on pause was here when I really needed it. I started coming to the podcast before I shaved my head, what, what, after I shaved my head, and now that I have a full head of hair, if that shows the roller coaster that I've been on, I have to agree with what was said, you know, the idea of that it's okay. Every part of it, you know, the, the, the sad times, the really happy times, the when we share our victories, we share these amazing things. And then when we share the not so amazing things that happen, which is unfortunately something many of us are used to at this point. But it's been an absolute journey. <laughs> and, you know, hearing other people who have been through it or 
go through it now or have been through it, you know, was something that I didn't know how much I needed, but having it was something that just made it so much easier to get through these things that, you know, no one really knows what we're going through if they haven't gone through it or to find others that you can, that you can share in or others that just sit there and like, like she said, maybe things that you didn't necessarily want to say, but can sit in silence or sit and have other people listen. It was just a, you know, a wonderful experience for me. Hi, I'm, I'm Casey. I'm a 27 year old leukemia survivor and I'm, I'm going to piggyback and repeat a lot of what Lauren just said. I think she hit the nail on the head. As I was thinking about what I've taken away from Life on Pause or what I've learned, I think it's just how important those connections are, having those relationships and having the opportunity to talk to someone else, like Lauren said, who's, who's gone through something similar. I think we, we talked about it at some point that like a big feeling amongst patients is loneliness. And I think that, I don't know, it, it never like fully resonated because I felt Oh, like I have great, you know, I have great family. I have great friend support. I feel very supported, but there's, there's that level of support. And then there's also having someone who can fully understand your experiences and your emotions that are only going to make sense to, to someone who's had a very similar experience. And so being able to have that outlet just makes things a lot easier, it makes it a lot more comfortable, it makes you feel like you're not crazy when you're, when you're thinking about certain things or what's on your mind. So. I, I think my biggest takeaway is just like how important the connections were. And, and, you know, like Lauren said, sometimes you want to talk, sometimes you want to listen. You just like want to be in the comfort of others who who kind of get it. And that can just be a huge relief um, at a time. When you need it. So I think that that has been my biggest takeaway from Life on Pause. I'm Sammy. I am a 26-year-old thyroid cancer survivor. I am almost six and a half years out of treatment. And sort of going off of what Casey said is, I only came into life on pause after five years out of treatment because I wasn't treated at Hershey. And before that, the only other young adult cancer survivor I'd ever met was my friend who had died. So getting to meet people who were healing and relatively healthy and you know like nice to talk to and there was healing beyond words even five years out of treatment it was an indescribable experience i'm kisara i'm a 29 year old non-hodgkins lymphoma survivor i'm about two years in remission i can kind of relate to sammy i didn't do my treatment at penn state either but where I did, there wasn't really, I had one other person they got me connected with, but there was still kind of a big age gap. So it was really nice to be able to connect with others that were around my age. And like Casey and Lauren said, they understand what you're going through and just being able to listen if you want to listen or talk if you're willing to talk definitely helped me after I finished treatment. That's when I started life on pause. And you're going through like all those emotions and trying to get back into your regular routine, but you don't realize how much emotion you kind of pushed down because you were only worried about going through your treatments and stuff. And then you have everything coming back to you. So it definitely helped me work through those and just being able to connect with everybody and talk and it helps to get it out there. 
Hi, I'm Max. I'm 26, um, just shy of 10 years uh, in remission of Burkitt's lymphoma. Kind of a recurring character in Life on Pause, more than a steady character. If this is a sitcom, I show up once a season. So, <laughs> but I discovered Life on Pause in 2019, so a little over six years after remission. And since then, I've kind of like been here at touch points, like throughout the journey from, you know, 2019 to now. And I think honestly, what Life on Pause, listening to it, being a part of it, and also with Shelly, just like using Life on Pause as such a platform to introduce and engage like other AYA programs across the board for cancer patients and cancer survivors. What it really helped the most for me is challenging like self-perception. I think I put my own treatment and my own experience under such a like individual microscope that I didn't start looking at it through a different lens and like from the perspective of what other people went through until hearing so many more voices. And, you know, I wrote about my experience a lot throughout college and it wasn't until after I graduated that I found this and I realized that I was like doing so much writing and so much like creation about this, but like never doing any reflecting. And this just provided like a really strong opportunity to reflect on all of this and like get to know the experience that I had, which is something that I did not do for six, seven years after it. And it's just been so helpful to process. And that's 100% thanks to you know everyone else who engages and participates in this. I'm Abby. I'm 28. And it's been about five and a half years since I was diagnosed with leukemia. Um, it's honestly made me like super emotional just listening to everyone talk about how much the podcast meant to them because I'm just like blown away by that. And really, it's meant so much to me too. And just allowed me to reflect and process like my diagnosis and my treatment and everything. So yeah, it is pretty incredible. And I think I, I'm curious what the like life on pause. I don't know. We've had a couple different versions ourselves that we've gone through a couple different seasons. But if it's when it if or when it's picked up again, I think it could have like another metamorphosis and really continue to offer something both to those who are creating the content, but also to those who are listening. So I'm gonna switch gears here a little bit and um start to prompt with some questions about lessons you learned going through treatment or after treatment or currently learning. And they're they're thematic. So the first question is, what is the first lesson you learned? What was the first lesson that having a diagnosis of cancer taught you? This is Lauren. I would say not super negative, but life's not fair. <laughs> I, I, I mean, and, and it kind of helps with the idea of, in terms of saying, you know, life's not fair. So as in to say, just because you're young doesn't mean that you're vulnerable to things. And, and I think that it also, but at the same time means that you can't got to kind of pick yourself up and you can't really just let it say like, oh, wow, like, oh, woe is me. And it's like, nope, it's, it, it happens and all right, got to get through it. I agree with that statement. But also, I kind of learned that, you know, life just kind of happens, kind of happens and you got you to gotta deal with it because if not, then you're going to be miserable. So I, I like to try to stay positive. That's probably the best thing I would I could say is that my first lesson that I learned was probably to, to get over it and stay positive. I was trying to think of a more emotional one, but honestly, just learning that not everyone finds the same dark humor about your situation as funny as you do was really big. 
I feel like I'd make a lot of jokes with people and, you know, while I was in treatment and they'd be like, you can't say that. And it's like, yes, I can. I'm currently going through this thing, but, you know, realizing that not, no matter what, not everyone's going to get behind and laugh with you in that same way was important to learn. I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but um, I'll share it again. The night that, going along with what Max said, the night that I found out I had cancer, I sat and it was, I was in the middle of processing and I told things to settle down and um, it was garbage night. And I looked over at my husband and I said, I can't take the garbage out. I have cancer. <laughs> and it was like, just moments like that. And of course he did that moment of pause and then just laugh, like just those type of things. Or yeah, I, I think making people uncomfortable was pretty common for, it, it was very easy to, when, you know, finding humor to deal with the situation. Well, this is Kisara. I think a big thing that I learned too is kind of just un- expect the unexpected. I mean, nobody expects to get cancer or be told you have cancer. And it's like treatment is a long journey and like things never go the way they're supposed to go. Sometimes your labs come back wrong or there's a delay in chemo or just something always is delaying your ports clogged or isn't working or they can't mine would flip. So sometimes they'd have a hard time accessing it, but I just kind of learned to never go in expecting everything to run smoothly. Like there's always some kind of delay or something that would happen, but you just have to stay positive and know that, you know, it's normal. It's okay. And just keep taking things day by day and take the good days when you have them and the bad days are okay too. You just have to keep pushing through them. I think the first lesson, and it took me a few months to really get this lesson. It wasn't a click and there it is. It's okay to take time for yourself. Like I had to drop out of college to do treatments and I felt really guilty about all that. And I felt like I was missing out on my young adulthood and everything. But now looking back, I was like, okay, that's what I needed to do for my mental and physical well-being and pushing myself to the point of exhaustion every single day while also dealing with this extraordinary life event. Like, taking time for yourself sometimes is a very, very good and hard thing to do. I don't know if this is the first thing I learned. Like, I think I learned the concept pretty quickly. I don't think I got it right for a while. But something that we've talked about a lot on this podcast is like the idea of like your priorities and what's what's actually important to you when you get a life-threatening diagnosis that that strips away a lot of things that like previously I thought were really important or seemed really important to me. And you start to realize like there are certain people, there are certain activities, there are certain, you know, aspects of your life that really are important to your happiness and your well-being. And and a lot of the other stuff is just noise. I think I like learned quickly that that was the case. I don't think I got my priorities right for quite a while. You know, it's a few months of just like plain shock, frankly, until you like really start actually kind of thinking about like, all right, how now that I'm in this situation, how do I want to live? So I'm like happy day to day or as happy as I can be in the situation. But I think that was the first thing. Like, you know, there are certain examples of like we've talked about, like you learn people who are are immediately there for you and people who aren't. But it's just something like this that's so severe that you learn like okay not everything is probably as important as i was as i was weighing it and that that's like 
I don't know. I don't know how else you learn that. It, it's interesting, like for our group too, because for uh, adolescents and young adults, that's like a very formative age already. And so to get this like thrown on top of it, I think it's just a very, yeah, I think most people feel like they come away with a different perspective. I don't know if that happens to young, like that happens in everyone's life eventually anyway, but that added weight and you have these new priorities and perspectives, I think was probably the the first lesson that I took from a cancer diagnosis. Okay. So next theme for lessons, what is a lesson you learned while kicking and screaming? I learned while theoretically kicking and screaming to not be too incredibly mean at the people who are there to support you. I was a nightmare for a little bit. Um, (laughs) Part of my treatment was I was on a really, really strict diet. Like I couldn't eat like 90% of the things that I normally eat. And my mom, my poor mom, was like, buying like meats and grinding them herself and cooking everything from scratch and I was still a miserable little something and eventually one day she came to me and said a word that I don't think that I can say on here you're being this and I said oh my god I am and so it was at that point where I was like oh I need to be I need to be appreciative of the people who are here every single day supporting me I think for me, it was learning that it's okay to ask for help if I need help on the days where I just didn't feel good or was really tired or weak. I'm so used to doing everything for myself and I love helping everybody else before I help myself. I always get myself in trouble with that, but it just, it really helped me learn that it's okay to ask for help when you really need it and that the ones that are there for you are going to help you no matter what, as soon as you ask. So that was one of the big things for me. I have to second that, completely agree with that. For me as well, it was learning that I can't do everything. And despite the fact that I knew I was going through treatment, I still tried to do much more than I think than was expected. But I was like, no, 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 no. I kept thinking like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll handle the treatment really well and I'll continue to do this and this. And I learned pretty quickly when I wasn't able to keep up that, no, no, you can't. You need to rest. You need to drink water, which I did kicking and screaming with my husband and yelling back at him. So I agree with that, Sammy. The, the, uh, like the, like you need to drink water. No, like it, yeah. So person that care about you (laughs) being told, uh, yeah, no, you need, you need to do what you need to do. So, but, uh, yeah. One of the other prompts I was curious, I'm curious about is what is a lesson you're still learning? This is Max. I'm going to refer back to something that Casey said a few questions ago. We mentioned that he was starting to learn something and like he got the basis of that lesson. And I just really liked the wording of that because I think there's some things that we like realize pretty immediately, but still take years to actually like, I don't know master the lesson of ourselves. One thing that was a lesson that I think I learned the wrong way and then had to unlearn and then I'm still learning the other way is that the concept of like everything happening for a reason. I think that when I was in like really tough places, like I was, you know, I was five months inpatient and, you know, that kind of wore me down. And a lot of times I said like, oh, well, there's a reason I'm here. Like there's a cosmic supernatural beyond me reason that I'm doing this. And 
it's going to matter to my like personal story. And that's why it's being done to me. And that's how I thought and what I, you know, like went about life thinking for uh, quite a few years. And it wasn't until again, like learning about these programs, like hearing new voices that I realized that it didn't have any inherent universal meaning. Uh, it was just the meaning that I attributed to it and was able to live with like, you know, it still has meaning to me, but that doesn't mean that it was a some universal meaning beyond me. Right. And I think making that lesson so personal, like making it so focused on my experience also allows for a much more varied and broad perspective on everyone else's journeys. Because I personally feel like mine had meaning, but if someone else feels like, no, this is just some crap that happened in my life, like a broken arm, except a little worse, um, I'm going to keep going from that and not take anything from it. Like, that's totally fine. You know, it's just what our personal journeys say about us and what we want them to say. One thing I've been constantly kind of like learning and forgetting and relearning and learning is like, you sometimes have to kind of let go of what you pictured would happen next in your life, or maybe even what would happen later in your life. And I think at times in my kind of story, there's been times where I accepted, okay, I don't know what's happening. And then there's other times where I'm like, okay, I want this to happen. Why is it not this way? And then I get really frustrated that I don't have that outcome that I wanted. Um, and even though I'm out of treatment, still things like that come up that are related to cancer. So I think that's like a constant journey for me. Yeah, I think related to that, Shelly, I'm, I'm going to cheat and say two things I'm still learning. One thing I'm still learning, like related to that, Abby, and something to Sarah said earlier is the idea of like, expecting the unexpected and i i like think totally to abby's point i had this idea of like this you know this is going to go well or like i'm not going to have issues with this anymore and i like get frustrated when things do come up that i'm like this you know this isn't part of the plan and it's like whose plan you know like what plan um do i think this is you know that i'm i'm just controlling everything so whenever i like whenever something unexpected comes up i still can like get frustrated or get annoyed and, you know, some of that's natural, but just like knowing, like to Sarah said, like you have to expect that not everything's just going to go smoothly um, from here on out. I think that's definitely something I'm still learning. And then the first thing that came to mind when you asked that question, something I'm still learning that I, I really have not figured out is like how to talk to talk about this to someone who has not had cancer, who has had a close, you know, family member or friend who's had cancer. I think in circles like this, it's really easy. You don't feel like you have to say it in a way to know how people are going to react. But in situations when I have to tell like a stranger or like someone at work who asks like, why am I out on a Wednesday or something like that? I have not figured out how to talk about it without it being weird. Um, and I don't know if there is a way, but I certainly have not figured it out. That's a problem I have constantly being in the medical field. Sometimes I like know something and it's because it happened to me and not because I like experienced it clinically and then I'm like oh no I already said like the answer to this how do I explain like why I know this like really obscure fact about leukemia like that happens to me a lot actually and it's it's been hard to figure out how to like tell my coworkers about it I, I have to add on to that I completely I completely agree it's funny to me because cancer is just so much a part of my life. Like it, it, it is, it is become where I, I don't let it define me, but at the same time it happened and I need to appreciate it. I forget that cancer is still really like for some people, it's the worst 
thing ever, like that they can't imagine it happening to them. So for instance, I had a job interview and I mentioned that I was a cancer survivor and the whole attitude of the room changed. And I'm like, oh no, I'm like, it's cool. Like, I'm not afraid to share it, but everyone's like, oh, you know, and they started with, you know, oh, and you're so brave. And I'm just like, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a part of my story, but I, I agree. It, it's definitely where it's like, no, I, I, I'd like to talk about it, but don't want to, you know, and it, it shifts the, the attitude, it shifts the mood. And it's like, well, you know, I think it can be both things. I think it can be a part of who I am, but also not necessarily the end all of, of, of things. Yeah, learning that not everyone's relationship with that word is is like, you know, our relationship with that. And of course, making jokes occasionally, it's usually with people who have never been through it, don't find it as funny as we do. I just feel like every time I try to bring up the fact that I have cancer in a conversation with someone who obviously hasn't, hasn't gone through it, I feel like I get a sense of pity of like, oh, you're so brave. You're so... You're so wonderful, but I don't want that, you know? Like, I just want you to say, hey, it happened, it happened, man, and move on. You know, it's not something worth lingering on, I think. I also at work recently, um, a contractor that we have come in, he said he was going to be out next month because he was getting surgery for some skin cancer. And I wrote him this email back, you know, saying, I'm so sorry, you know, take whatever time you need, like, spend time with your family, rest, you know, like, we'll be here whenever you're ready. And he emailed back saying that I scared him. And I said, oh my, I'm so sorry. I didn't listen. Sometimes I, I, I had cancer. Sometimes I go a little bit overboard with the empathy, empathy. So I'm realizing that I need to find like the middle ground. If there is a middle ground between being super blasé and being overly understanding. <laughs> the reality is that you guys know things that other people don't. I, um, a mom of a, a younger child who was, um, was telling me this story where her son had dressed up as a doctor for superhero day. And when he is like playing, like make believe he, and like a doctor, he'll be like, Oh, it's Wednesday. It's been Christine day. Ooh. And for those, I mean, what, like elementary school age child knows that and that's part of their playing so there's like things that you guys know that just are not part of other people's realities at all and um so someone said like how do you do that without being weird how do you kind of casey said it how do you tell somebody without being weird does anybody have any uh tips or tricks on that one or you just all agree that it's weird I always, so since having my experience, I've gotten two new jobs and I always, I always go as long as I can without telling everyone. Usually I can go about six months or so before it becomes known. Last time it happened by accident because someone had known my family, but not like super well, like to the point where like they knew like that part of me. And this person that I work with came up to me and they're like, wait, last time I saw your mom, she told me that her daughter had cancer. And I was like, and then she's just like, aren't you your mom's only daughter? And I was like, yeah. And then she's like, she pointed, she was like, you? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, but I will honestly say something I have learned is how to be a really awkward person and 
it will probably always be that way unless someone else knows how. I have this strategy where I just kind of mention that I'm vaguely chronically ill. And then at some point, maybe they'll see like my social media. And that's actually worked. A few people have been like, oh, like I looked at your Instagram. (laughs) And then it kind of like saved me from having to like just be like flat out explaining it. And I just switched jobs a couple months ago. And like, there's a couple people that I've opened up to that I've gotten close to, but there's this one lady, I think it was last week. There's a lady that lives in my development and they do this little local, it's called Go Local magazine. And she reached out to me when she found out that I was speaking at or going to be speaking at Light the Night. But she was checking me out and at the store and she's like, hey, weren't you in that magazine? Because she's seen my my name tag. And I was like, yeah, that was me. And she just kind of looked at me and like you could see the change in her expression and she's like are you okay like are you good and I was like no I'm good like everything's fine so it's still kind of weird because like some people are starting to recognize me from there that are like at my work because it's the VA so it's local but it's definitely been kind of awkward but at the same time I know it's like good to share because I know she reached out to me that there was a gentleman that was diagnosed with the same type of cancer as me that was really touched by like the article that she wrote and to know that like I went through all of that and like he's facing the same thing but like just to help him have a positive outlook and be like you know there are people that have faced this and have come out on the other side and knowing that he can do the same thing so it was really nice to hear that but still weird to be like hey i've seen you in a an article i had to laugh at your at the comment the are you good somebody did that after i finished my treatment and it was like that line was are you good and his wife was like don't it was literally like oh my god i'm like chill first of all i laugh for like a solid minute it's like i mean are are any of us really (laughs) it was really funny I had to laugh, but yes, I've been asked that. That was probably, that was, I just had to say, yes, I've been asked that. It was pretty funny. I recently had a coworker come in and she was working with me like really closely. Like we've built a friendship for about seven months and somehow my past never came up. And I happened to mention like the one medication I was taking every day. And she was like, oh, what's up with that? And it was at that point where I sort of decided to rip off the bandaid. And I felt so bad for this girl because just adrenaline rush, I trauma unloaded onto her. And I was like, oh, yeah, this was my timeline of everything. Here's what I did. I like, here's my time out of treatment, you know, like all good. She left that room with tears in her eyes. And I was like, girl, I am so sorry. And I mean, like, it's worked out fine now. Now she knows all of it. But that was a tough band-aid to rip off on her. Max, if you're willing, would you weigh in? Because I think you're the one person um, on the call who can talk about like you were diagnosed while you're still in school. And for folks that age, that means that your whole school ends up knowing. And then you have this opposite thing of really going out into the world and no one knows. So any thoughts or reflections on that piece? Yeah, I definitely was pretty quickly labeled the cancer kid in high school. And at a certain point, I didn't like try to escape it. I was like, let me just like embrace this and use it how I want to. And like, that's 
I think a very like big thing for a lot of people in middle school or high school. It's like, you know, it's again up to you. Like if you want to leave that and have that no longer be who you are, you are able to like grow past that. But if you want to use it and, you know, like use it to your advantage, so to speak, you also have the capability to do that. I ended up doubling down and like giving a speech on like fundraising to my high school and that like did not help the labeling escaping the labeling so to speak um and i definitely gave that speech before i fully processed my own experience which was another thing of like you know making sure that you know where your mind is at and i think that's another lesson is that folks in general um who haven't gone through this or don't have a family member that's gone through it kind of expect a, a script that you are going to follow as a cancer patient and, you know, it's sometimes you are sacrificing your own self to follow that script for them. And, you know, if there is some discomfort from people because you're a little more honest and don't follow that script, like that's a learning lesson for them. You know, that discomfort is healthy because they're stretching their own boundaries for what that experience is like. And I didn't realize that through high school or even college because I was like, this script makes people feel emotional in a way that is good. <laughs> so I'm going to do the script. But yeah, it's it's so much more complex than that. Could you just walk us through the plot points of the script? Just so I think we all know them, but I'd be curious how you had labeled the plot points. Oh, uh, you know, the it's it's like literally any like the what the steps of any like story arc where it's like you have to detail the dark, challenging moments and then like the part where you rise above and get through and then detail the people who helped you through that rising above and then make the people that you're speaking to feel like they're one of those people that is helping you rise above. And then they leave happy and emotional and you leave saying that. <laughs> so, yeah, just the three, the three act structure, basically. Yeah, I appreciate you naming that. Our stories are much more complex than that. I just think before we close, um, I think we should all be really grateful and thankful to Shelly for like, putting this together like none of us would have had the opportunity to participate and meet each other and form all these like wonderful important memories and like relationships so i think we're just so grateful for you shelly i think the big lesson that i learned from doing this project with you all is really that like the truth of you show up right you show up and you take the next step and, you know, I didn't, we didn't know what this podcast would look like or what it would come to mean when we started recording on like various devices we found around the hospital. We didn't know what this podcast would look like when we went through COVID. We didn't know what it would look like um, when we actually had a chance to um, record in person or on Zoom. And, um, that's definitely one lesson. So like you show up and you just do the next logical step and you see what happens. And it's a much better strategy I found than not doing anything at all. Like it's much more interesting. But the other one is I, I don't know if each of you understand how much, you know, this collaboration means to me, but also the other staff at the hospital you know, hearing your stories out there in the world when they listen in, I, I get to hear that. And it's really valuable for us as we, you know, take care of other people in similar situations. So it's really been an honor and a super fun project.
Uh, the one thing I'll just add on that that just made me think of was I referenced that a lot too. I think a lot of a lot of people here we talk about like they came in at different points, like some some many years post treatment, some pretty closely after treatment. And I actually came in like right as I was in the thick of it. And it was really like helpful for me because Abby, I always looked at we didn't have the same diagnosis, but we had similar diagnoses and she was like six months ahead of me. So I was always hearing like Abby's talking about like, this is what I'm experiencing or something like that. And it made it feel a lot less weird when then I got to that point. And so I thought back a lot uh, of like, Abby, I'm using you as a specific example, because that there were a lot of like things specific to my treatment or like a chemo or something like that, like this reaction that I don't know, it's nice when it's not a surprise. Um, so having like hearing from other people and learning um, their experiences, but like for me specifically during treatment, um, that was really helpful. And I didn't, I don't think I knew that, um, going into this or knew that I would get that benefit out of it. So it was really cool to have that. So thank you, Abby. Thank you, Shelly. Um, that's what I remember is like that. I think it was like October of 2018. Um, and yeah, very, very, very cool road that came from that. I'm going to try not to get emotional, but no guarantees. I was, like I mentioned before, I had just kind of gotten the diagnosis and I was not taking it well. And all of a sudden, lady called Shelly calls me and is like checking in on me and asks me how I'm doing. And I really needed it. It was about three, four, three or four months after COVID hit. So not only am I alone and I'm in my home and I have my partner, but was I just told I have cancer? Nobody can come visit me because it's the thick of COVID. And I get a call from this lovely lady here telling, you know, telling me that everything's going to be okay and told me about this podcast. So since then, it has been a wonderful experience of meeting other people who, you know, I may most likely would never have met without it because um, COVID. And it is so nice to have others who understand what you're going through. It's been quite a journey. And I'm really grateful that it has been here, that we have these resources I think a good lesson to learn is that cancer can be extremely isolating. It doesn't matter if it's COVID. It doesn't matter what that is. It's extremely isolating. And to have a resource or have a, a where people can talk and can feel and express what they're going through is such a vital thing. So it's been a wonderful experience. And thank you, Shelly, for absolutely everything. And it's been wonderful to meet everyone else. The tricky thing is there is elements of that, that tired plot, right? In all of our stories, but they are not nearly all the pages or all the chapters. So how do we make sure that they all, all the story gets to be told? And telling the complete story just as it is, is one of the greatest lessons of life on pause. Thanks for listening to Life on Pause ideas or suggestions for future episodes, feel free to share them with us. Join us for the next recording on the third Tuesday of the month. Until Until next time. time.